I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Conful by Design. Following is a conversation with Meredith Bear of Meredith Bear Home. Sit tight. You're going to love this one. Do you know the story behind the reigning queen of home staging? If not, seriously, you are going to absolutely love this. Trust me when I tell you, because you listen to the podcast, you know I'm going to take you deep in the world of design, behind the pretty pictures, and together we explore the how behind design, right? Bear found her calling at 50, then built an incredible brand. If that doesn't give you the drive to do all the things you've been planning for the growth of your own career and your own uh, firm, I don't know what will. So hang on, you're going to love this. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and you can also find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So make sure to check it out. Speaking of doing better work, making a name for yourself, and growing your design business, are you working with Walker Zanger, presenting uh, sponsor of Convo by Design? Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their very best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a series in partnership with Walker Zenger called The Showroom. This intimate interview series showcases some of the very best creatives in the business today. Please join us live or catch every episode recorded so you can enjoy it on your schedule. Walker Zenger is on the cutting edge of design featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online. Walker Zenger. Com. It's so funny because I think, you know, I always, I, I, I always wish I hit the record button sooner. We wind up having this, this great sort of conversation about where we are and the future of and where we stand today. I've, I'm really excited um, to speak with you because you've got a, you've got a remarkable story and your story it's not like you envisioned this company when you were 15 years old and then you were, when you were 20, you wanted to start it. No, this is something that just sort of life evolved. And I think after the year that we've all had evolution and making the most of opportunity is so important, right? I love the way you think Josh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it, no, it, but that is exactly what it is. I mean, life isn't something that's just you decide what you're going to do and then you do it. That is not life. Life is you wake up and you deal with whatever is in front of you and you create whatever you want to have. And that's why I love your story so much. So tell me, tell me what you were thinking when your house is sold out from under you and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with all your stuff and then a business comes out of this. Like, can you, can you walk me through sort of how this happened? Yes, I, you know, I, I was, I mean, my favorite part of the story is that I was just turning 50 when, when all this happened. So, um, you know, I, I literally 
all, my, my hobby was moving my furniture around and making things more beautiful. I always needed things to be beautiful in front of me, especially being a writer for 20 years. I, I, you know, I was sitting around, I'm looking at the same thing. I want it to look good. I want the bookshelf to be just right. And then all of a sudden the situation comes where I have to move. And um, I, you know, I was really, I'm, you know, I'm a practical girl. I was thinking about how, how do I, how do I uh, save money? And so I talked to a friend of mine who was selling a house into letting me move my furniture into his house, explaining that I could arrange it so that people could understand how they'd live in the space. Listen, I was winging it. And I, I, I was trying to, you know, figure out how to save money on storage and, and uh, you know, make it to the next week, you know, financially, all of that. So I put my furniture in the house and lo and behold, this is a beautiful home in, in Brentwood area of Los Angeles. And uh, it sold in a couple of days. And it was just, I, I went, oh, shoot, you know, where am I gonna put the furniture now? But meanwhile, it, these brokers started to call me and uh, said, would you do this for me? And I went, sure. You know, not having no idea what that would involve, which to me kind of meant, okay, I'll move that furniture from there to your house. And then of course I said, well, listen, how about if I live in the house and I won't charge you as much to move my furniture over there? And then of course, I'm living in the house, I'm always fixing it up. And of course it sells really fast. And all of a sudden I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving and I'm surviving financially. And then all of a sudden I had two people who wanted me to do it. And then all of a sudden, if you're standing there, I'm gonna say, Josh, can I hire you please? If you're not doing anything today to help me. And that was sort of how it all began. And interestingly enough, some of those people I hired are still working with me. There was one kid who was my assistant He's a freshman in college at UCLA. He's still working for me. He's doing all my advertising and web website and all of that. But uh, I, I was just like, he's standing there. He's a real slender guy. And I kind of said, would you lift that pot and take it over there and buy me some potting soil and do, you know. <laughs> so it was really just a seat of the pants thing. And I fell into this empty space that, this thing was needed called staging. And I didn't know what it was or anything. I just kept saying yes. And I ended up doing what I absolutely loved. I kicked myself for being a writer for 20 years, being miserable, locked in a room. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, lo and behold, this industry started and other people started doing it. And, you know, I was just spending my whole life buying, running around, and here it is. So it's really interesting to hear the to hear the origin story, right? And I'm curious, do you remember where you were at the time when it kind when it kind of dawned on you that it was it it was now something more than you just finding a place for your stuff and going from from how that this was a business that this was something that this was your future. Do you remember the moment when that happened? Yes. Yes, I do. It was um, maybe about a year from the time I did the first house. And uh, all of a sudden I had people approaching me, asking me to do 
mansions. I mean, mansions, me, little old me who was a writer, they were asking me to decorate and help them. And, and I would give them a number with a lot of zeros after that. And they said, yes. And I went, holy moly, this is a business. So wait a minute, how did you know how many zeros to add and what to put in front of them? I know, I mean, I get the, I get the whole I fake it till you- I didn't I get, know, I, I, get the, <laughs> I get the whole fake, the whole fake it till you make it thing. I totally yeah. understand that. But at some point you have to, you're kind of figuring this out as you go. Well, you just, you're just making it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm making it up. I'm, I fi- here's how I kind of figured, okay, well, I'm gonna have to go out and buy stuff to be able to pull this one off because I, I just don't have enough stuff. I have great stuff. I always had that eye, like a lot of people I know do. Um, and a lot of people I know don't. Uh, but uh, but I just thought, okay, I've got to go buy that. Da, 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 da. How can I, you know, how can I make this happen financially? So a lot of those numbers, uh, I think I got more money then for a job than I can now because there's so much competition now. So yeah. there'll be somebody that might not do as good a job as I can do, but the price sounds right to someone. So a lot of jobs go to those people, which brings which does bring the pricing down. But in those days, it was really kind of like, okay. And every single house I had put my stuff in had sold really fast for a really good number, often in multiple offers. So it was a commodity. People could see it was worth, it would say it was worth 20 grand to do that um, for them. I do it. I do it in a couple of days. And it was worth it to them because they could see the numbers that they'd make, the profit. <clears throat> How long did you have this exclusivity before others realized that, hey, wait a minute, there's something here? I would say, I would say probably around the time I figured I had a business was when when I started to see one or two other people starting to do the same thing. And I went, what? <laughs> someone else is going to move furniture around besides me um and actually one of those companies is still around and i'm you know i'm kind of their kid the kids of the woman who was doing it are doing it now and i'm buddies with them um sometimes if the house is too big for them they'll pass it to me and if i can't do something i'll pass it to them but then there were all kinds of other companies that that uh came around too you know what's really interesting I, I kind of view what you do as extremely similar to what a set decorator does. And I, years ago, I started working with the Set Decorator Society of America, and I started getting really interested in interviewing set decorators, because not all set decorators are designers. Some are, most aren't. And the way that they design, they design for a page. They don't design for a person. They don't design for a client. They design for, they're telling a story, a very specific story. So years, you know, years and years and years ago at Warner Brothers, when Warner Brothers shifted from silent pictures to talkies, there became this need to, to tell a deeper story, 
right? And part of that story was being told in, in background and, and with, because now you could touch something and, and tell the story about it. So the words added more need for a background story. You're, so the, You're absolutely right. You're absolutely and, right. And if that's I, what- As a screenwriter, I would have to, I would have to, you know, write uh, an exposition, what the room looked like and the feel of it to get the feeling of for the character. So, so do you, are you a set decorator? Could be. So I when mean, you, I could be, maybe that'll be my next career. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just interesting. In, in I start, definitely am a set. Yeah. A set designer. Yeah. And um, um, uh, yeah, I definitely am showing you when you're looking for a house, uh, how you're going to feel when you walk into this house, for sure. Yeah, and I actually think... that's probably why brokers started to call it staging. I didn't come up with the term. Really? Yeah, brokers started calling it that. What were you calling it? Moving my furniture around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't really have a name for it. I was just getting up really early every morning and working my tail off. Oh, by the way, this is my cat. She just, she loves being in front of the camera. That is, well, is, isn't that funny? Because that's one thing that, that 2020 and Zoom have definitely made uh, commonplace is introduction to people's kids and cats and dogs and yes. all <laughs> kinds of things. Um, but I think it's really interesting because the, you look at the Warner Brothers story and they realized that the world was changing around them you were looking where you were at, at the time you started your company and the world was changing around you. We look at where we are right now and I am telling you the world is changing around us. And I don't, I don't mean the fact that we have to stay home and can't go anywhere and the, where, where we are now. I mean, next year, I mean, the yeah. year after that, I mean, the, the future, the way that we You're live, so is, right. it's changing. And has home ever mattered more? No. Than it does right now. No. And I mean, I, I can't, I have to tell you, I, I just love my house for being such a comfort to me during this time. Um, but you're, I love the way you think, Josh, because it really is it. No, but you, you're very, you're, you, you, you have a way of looking at it and making uh, lemonade out of the lemons because it really is true. We should look at this time as, I mean, we're forced to think about things we haven't been thinking about, like how much time we spend in our car all of all of this stuff where we really can look at our lives in a different way from a different angle because we're forced to. So I'm curious too, it, the evolution of Meredith Bear Home, you know, yeah. how, how you went from really working Southern California, it, your neighborhood, Culver City surrounding yes. Beverly Hills, Brentwood, Southern yes. California, California, then expanding. How did you, how did you scale up? Because it seems to me like this, that, is a, that is a major component when you're talking about staging and furniture and furnishings and not just basic garage sale stuff. We're not talking garage sale stuff. We're talking things that sell a home. So yes. a lot goes into this. How did you scale up? Well, uh, a, well, a number of ways. I mean, first of all, we started to manufacture our own furnishings, a lot of them, especially things like uh, headboards and sofas and chairs and things like that. We started, you know, with one or two people, you know, now we have something like 70 people making furniture. And I started going, you know, traveling 
every minute I had free to look for new designs and so forth. What, what got us into other areas, um, someone approached me from the New York Times and wanted to do a story on me and the staging for the Sunday Magazine. And that all of a sudden after that story appeared, we were getting calls from uh, Florida, from, from Connecticut, from New Jersey, Manhattan. And my motto was just to say yes. The answer is yes, we can do that. And then figure out how to do it. Uh, trucks help, big trucks. <laughs> big trucks uh, get stuff to where you wanna get it and you get on a plane and you go there and you do the work and then you look for a warehouse and then you look for people to staff the warehouse and then you look for salespeople to sell you and designers to, to install because you can't do it all as the company gets bigger. The other, the, the one major question that I keep coming back to is, you know, knowing design and speaking with designers and architects as often as I do, and talking about the idea, you know, we talk about trends, right? And tr some people think, oh, trends, it's a bad word. Trends, not a bad word until you add a Y. So once you make it trendy, then it's bad. Then it becomes something that, that has a negative connotation. But when it comes to trends, that dictates lifestyle and how people want to live. My question for you is, you know, through, through decades of staging and having to stay on top of current styles, how do you manage the inventory in, in an ever-changing world where trend and style changes? Now, there, there's always the things that are, that are lifetime and heirloom quality furniture and, and ideas that will translate from generation to generation. But at the same time, how do you manage the trendy nature of what's popular now? Well, again, like always, seat of the pants. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a love for many, many things, some of which I wouldn't even want to live within my own home, but I see the beauty in them. So I continue to cherish and care for older things. I, to bring history forward into now. And so I'm always prepared to do any style that somebody wants by keeping a collection of all kinds of antiques and beautiful things from history. Um, and then going forward, I, whenever, I, whenever things start looking too much the same to me, I know it's time for a change. And, and whenever, I, whenever I can't recognize if something's mine or not, you know, I know it's time for change. Um, I just get bored with the, seeing the same color, the same thing over and over and over. I like looking at something that makes me happy, that makes me smile. So we're always looking, I have a team of people in my group uh, that are incredibly talented, where we are emailing each other all day, a handle on something, a, you know, a color, a this, a that. We're constantly exchanging information and thinking about what we want to make next, where we want to go next. So we do a lot of shopping and we buy things that people have come up with and, and we add that to our collection. But we're also looking for where do we want to go next? What would we like to create? How would we like to create a variance on this? You know, what new, what new color can we add to the mix 
to make it pop, to make to make Gus look at it and smile. Do you think that you are creating design style and trends or are you mirroring what's popular? You know, the funny thing is, I'm, it's interesting to ask that. I think pe- I'm starting to see people copy us. I think in the beginning we were probably mirroring. And then um, as time goes by, I feel, especially as new people get into the market of staging, they go out and they they literally, it's almost like they've studied us and they copy exactly what we've done. So now I feel that people are trying to mirror us or do, you know, doing their version of us. Would you say that your, your primary clientele is still the real estate industry? Yes, yes. The, the real estate industry is still our primary clientele. We do have, you know, an interior design division now, and we, we sell a tremendous amount of furniture out of our staged homes um, as well. But, but the real estate market really is, is probably, I'd say, at least 70 per, 70%, if not more, of our business. From an inventory standpoint, do you rotate out um, style? Is, is that how, how your sales primarily yes. work? Yes, what, what we do um, when we're sort of done with something and you know that feeling when you're done, um, we, uh, we collect charities where you're always looking for new people that are really truly in need. Uh, we work with a lot of homeless organizations and so forth. Uh, we work with St. Anne's downtown LA, which, uh, which is houses unwed mothers uh, up till they're 24. Um, so we're always looking for places to donate you know, move on with, with furniture and, you know, rotate it out. Um, we sometimes will have a giveaway for our, there are about 300 people in our group. So for all their families and friends, they can come over and whoever can grab it fastest and get out of there gets it. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so, I bet that's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yes, we're, we, we move things out when we're done with them. We also have a staff that is always repairing, uh, especially older pieces, antiques and so forth, because we move things around a lot. So they, you know, it takes its toll. Aside from what you make for your, for the company, when it comes to acquiring furnishings, have you come across any gems? Has there been, I would, I'm trying to think, I imagine I work with a lot of designers um, and part of what they do is, you know, they'll get in the car and go, go picking, go treasure hunting. Yes. Right. And, yes. and occasionally you find something that's just amazing. Yes. I'm curious if you've had any finds like that. Oh God. Yes. Uh, especially when I was first starting, we would, we would hit, uh, we would hit the flea markets. We would hit estate sales. We would hit everything. And Actually, my group in Florida will now say, okay, loving everything, especially all the big pieces, I want some more unusual pieces. So that's very, very important to us to always be looking for, you know, rustic pieces, ethnic pieces, uh, shiny pieces, you know, kind of every style of little, those little things. Well, and then of course, artwork. We're always, always looking for new artists. it's it's a constant treasure hunt. In the old days, I used to work with pickers. Yeah, because um, they'd be traveling around, you know, in their truck, and 
finding things all over and it's, it's hard to find them now, but, but uh, every, everybody in our group is always looking. I'm curious too, uh, because it is, it is a challenge now to find things with the, you know, with the proliferation of the reality TV shows where yes. you have, you're showing people coast to coast and across the world um, picking and finding things. And, and by the way, you know, going back to Warner brothers for a minute, the I I consider the four Warner Brothers to be like the original pickers because what they did was, you know, they basically scattered and they went in four different directions around the world and they just bought estates. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the prop house um, on the Warner Brothers lot is... No, I haven't. Meredith, it's fabulous. it is amazing. So imagine if you will the size of a football field. Oh my God. Now put four on top of that. That sounds like my warehouse. That is the warehouse at Warner (laughs) Brothers. And it is amazing. You know, you can walk through there and and as you walk through, it's like, oh, I recognize that. I know what that is. I know what that, I've seen that before. You know, the piano from Casablanca. It's just, there's all these, and, and they have, a, you know, a whole floor dedicated to fabric and upholstery because they they build, you know, they build custom pieces for designers, but they also house all of these amazing things. And then, they, but they also have a vault and the vault, you know, most people will never, ever see what's in the vault. You, you know, I think the original Maltese Falcon, you know, I the, didn't know they had a vault. Oh, they have a vault. That's amazing. We have in our warehouse, we have what we call the high end room. You can't go in there if it's less than a $50,000 job. Okay. Yeah. That's our vault. But we have people sneak in there anyway. They like try to bribe our crew. Well, it's, it's interesting because I'm just curious if you've, if you've ever found something that was, you know, super, I mean, just incredibly valuable or something that someone didn't know, or when it comes to art that you found something by a, a, a world known artist yes as a matter of fact and uh, some of those pieces are in my own home um of course because i'm not going to throw them into the warehouse but definitely i have come across gems there are uh i went into this one home i i don't want to say whose it was but uh they had bought a house furnished and just wanted to move all the just sell the stuff because they had their own stuff and i walked in and i i recognized this artist whose pieces are valuable not a not super well known but someone I really just loved and as I was going in there was another guy there who also recognized the artist and we sort of made a deal with each other okay you take those because they were priced so inexpensively I said you could okay you take what's your favorite that one okay okay I take that one okay you take that one I'll take that one so we each got out of there with three or four pieces And just like, wow, (laughs) I got my truck over there so fast. So you do find things. You have to kind of know what what you're looking for. But there are treasures to be found out there. So curious along those lines, because you have teams across the country, where where, are there any places that you currently go? Like, for example, you know, here in L.A., the Rhodium or the Rose Bowl flea market used to be like a gem, a secret honeypot, right? Yes. But now it's really not, it's not like that anymore because they've been on TV shows and everybody knows. In, it's commercial, in, yes. Yeah, in Texas, you have Round Top, you know, which is 
Amazing. Um, but it's gotten really, really popular and people know it's there. I'm curious, do you have, uh, do you have places like that where you know that during some particular time of year, 2020 notwithstanding, that this is where you go to find amazing things? Uh, well, you know, uh, not, <clears throat> not, not specifically other than I keep my, my eyes open for the good estate sales. And uh, a few of us have traveled to Europe and, um, you know, we'll just walk down the streets, uh, whether it's Amsterdam or Paris, you know, go to the Paris flea market. And from time to time, you do find gems, but you're right. The, the idea of hunting has become commercialized enough that, that a lot of people are doing it. So you're, you're pretty lucky now when you find something special that way. Yeah, it's true. And it's interesting because, you, you know, going back to the idea of reality shows and TV. So you had, you had your foray into HGTV. Yes. What did you think of this? How was, how was that experience for you? Well, it was, it, it was a little bit frustrating because I felt that they, we only hit the tip of the iceberg in showing what we really do. And they wanted to work off of a formula. And, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens in letting us just really go wild and run with it. I, I, I sort of thought we could have done a lot more uh, with it than we did. And, and it's interesting, you talk about formula right? Because yeah. the reality shows are all based on that, that sort of yeah. formulaic story arcs, that whole thing. I'm curious though, and it kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation. When, when we talk about where we are now and something that you said was our, our homes are more important now than they've ever been, which is absolutely true. That being said, I'm curious, has that changed the way in which Meredith Bear Home, the way that you personally the way that the company views the idea of home and are you going to stage it differently? Has anything changed? Well, I think, <clears throat> I, I think we've come back to realize how it's not just to make things look beautiful. It's also, it's, it's also to really emphasize the comfort and to bring in um, messages in the design that show how wonderful it would be to be sitting there, blankets and pillows and uh, the, the, all those little things that make a house a home. It's more important than ever. I think it's hit home with us. Uh, have, you, have you started? Um, have desk, you start, desk have, everywhere. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask about that. I'm curious, has, has the home office taken on a new role? Definitely. We will even stage now with, with a work set up in the dining room, you know, sometimes, you know, Interesting. Just, to, just to show how many places you could be working. Because uh, if you have a couple of kids too, they need their spot. You need your spot. Your wife needs her spot. Everyone needs their spot to work. I am curious to know if you think that we, we talk about trend, trendy and trending, right? Yes. Do, you, do you think that as we get clear of COVID, as we get clear of the lockdowns, that that idea of the home office being as the home school, the being as important as it is right now, is that going to fade? I, no, I think it's going to stick. 
I, I think a lot of people are discovering that they don't need to spend all that time in the car while they're polluting the environment with the gas. You know, I think a lot of people are going to realize that they can be more effective working at home. Not everybody, uh, but I think a, a lot more people will. And I, I think it's introducing kids to a way to communicate uh, that they didn't think of before and to be more creative, uh, you know, to have to make up things because you're not going to be spoon fed. Um, but I, I think a lot of that's going to stick. And I think, I think the office is going to be a big character in the movie of the home. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I'm, I'm curious how, how you envision, you know, I'm thinking about patterns, right. And for you, it's so interesting because for you and for what you do, because your largest client base really is the real estate industry and you have to follow the, the, the trends and the changing patterns of real estate, real estate is wide up in, in it's wide up in the air right now. Oh, it's crazy. We have never moved out of houses so fast yeah. ever as we are right now. It's just like we're, we've moved out of a house in five days after staging it recently. Really? After it. it was just like, get out. We want to move in. It's just like home. I want my home. What about, so what about commercial space? Because I'm also seeing like this huge trend of this mashup between residential and commercial space. Like I've never seen before. And it's not just, it's not just having the home office. It's about the fact that, you know, if people, if people aren't going back to an office now or in the future, they can live anywhere. If they can yeah. live anywhere, then how does a home sort of, you've seen office space take on pieces of home, you know, since the, since the tech boom first started in the late nineties. Yes. But now it's almost the other way where you're seeing the home take on pieces of, of corporate office structure. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. The, my phone was, would you just, just give me a repeat there real fast? No, just saying how it's kind of switched where, you instead of the office taking on elements of home, you see el, you see home taking on elements of office space, oh, but I but see. not making yeah. it but not making it like the office, but making it as functional as. Yes, as functional as, and then I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna work both ways. I think when people start going back to the office, they're gonna want to make it homier, and I think I think that that dedicated space at home. It has to be homey and office at the same time. You don't want it to look really be sterile. You don't want to work, work in that all, all the time. I think that uh, people are going to want and expect more from the office when they go back to work. And uh, I, I know that our offices um, have become homier and homier and homier because our designers will go upstairs and just start moving furniture around and make it more comfortable and um I think they'll, it's all going to start to blend. I even think hotels have started to want to be more like home, less sterile. Interesting. Uh, so I think there is going to be a, 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 a trend now toward comfort, home, beauty too. But I, I think that comfort is going to be number one. I'm curious because you, you talk about, you know, hospitality. And I'm curious if VRBO 
has changed your business or rather how it's changed your business? Um, I don't think it's changed our business. We have sold furniture that we don't want anymore to, to that industry. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a separate thing because I, I, if anything, I think they are looking to us to show how to make their places welcoming. Um, but, uh, I don't see a big, a big, uh, I, I don't see them affecting us so much. See, it's interesting to me because I, I would, I would think that that would be, I would, I would think intuitively that that would be a big clientele for you where people are, you know, they're staging homes for vacation rentals, you know, homes that they own that they're never going to live in um, except, you know, one week, two weeks at a time because they're renting them out primarily because there's so much you have to consider about well, they they I think that group of people are more likely to want to um, buy furniture from us because they're going to be using it whereas in our staged homes people aren't using it the furniture is really on display so it's often even new for, for they you know for those homes people are in and out and in and out and in and out so they're yeah. going to take some abuse yeah so the sale the sale versus staging um, it it hasn't sales haven't even come close to your staging business. Our sales are really growing rapidly. It's becoming a big, big part of our income now. More and more people are buying homes furnished or partially furnished or reaching out. Uh, we had a call yesterday from Germany. Do you, will you install a home in Germany? And of course, you know what my answer is. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Of course we will. Yeah, yeah, sure. How much is it? I don't know. Let me figure that out. Let me get back to you. <laughs> Add zeros. Right? Add zeros. Exactly. Um, has is This is also something really interesting to me. Do you now look at creating the Meredith Bear home line? As we have, Yes, we have been talking about that. Actually, before COVID hit, we were starting to move toward doing something like that. Everything sort of went on on hold, but definitely we're thinking about doing a whole home line. Uh, Interesting. Everything from pajamas and Ooh. slippers okay. to, you know, to everything else in a home. And here's what's amazing to me about this, because as I hear you explain that and creating the line, you know, the challenge with creating a line is where is the line going to be shown? Right. So then you're talking to showrooms and you're and how do we get in and how do we floor space and how do we. But you don't really have to do that because you have a rotating, revolving showroom in every home you stage. Yeah. Right now we have a thousand showrooms. That's we amazing. Have a thousand home stage. So so each one is a showroom. Do you this is a probably a very, it's an odd question, but I'm just curious. Do you compile industry data from the homes that you stage to find out what what trending business concepts are coming to the home and, and design industry? We we don't do it formally, but in, informally, yes, we do. We're always um, meeting in our group and talking about you know what what we're seeing, what's you know what is trending. And um, not trendy, but trending. And um, 
yeah, we're always looking at that because it, it things are constantly changing. You have to be, you, you have to be flexible. You have to move with it. You have to be aware. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not really sure where we're going to be going in the next year right now as a, as a, as a world, as a country, as, a, as cities. Um, it's, things are going to be changing. You know, uh, the economy is going to be changing. Uh, people's needs are going to be changing. So uh, we're always kind of just watching, looking, absorbing, discussing. Contemplating. Yes. And figuring out how many zeros to add. Yeah, that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I love your story. And I think it's fantastic. And um, I think this was great. And I really do appreciate the time. You're wonderful. I, I like your brain a lot. It was just a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Meredith. I love your story. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol, for your partnership. And thank you for listening. Without you, there is no joy in doing this. You are greatly appreciated. Thank you. My hope, as always, is to bring you inspiration and sublime design wherever we find it and deliver it through these conversations to give you that extra push to be the most creative designer you can possibly be. Please make sure you are subscribing to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can also find us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X and ConvoByDesign.com. Be well. And remember, take today first. Side note, I was asked recently why I switched my tagline from keep creating to today first. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow isn't promised. And all we have is today. So what are you going to do with that, huh? Control what you can and don't worry about the rest. Mm-hmm.